When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers well it is a thursday in st louis time for another episode of the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango from 1057 the point jeff burton from 1057 the point and our buddy from 101 espn and former st louis blue defenseman mr jamie rivers gentlemen how goes it it goes well. Yourself, sir? If things are good, thank you. I have a story, but I just want to, since he just introduced you as Jamie Rivers, I'm so glad you did that because I meant to ask this. When I was on with you, I filled in with you when Stalter was gone, uh, and you were constantly introduced as Stanley Cup champion, Jamie Rivers. We're all Stanley Cup champions, Well, no, Jeff. no, that's what I'm asking you. Are you, like, technically from the team a Stanley <laughs> Cup champion? <laughs> that's, or, I, think that's, I think that's a great question. Because yeah. I'm hoping to pray no. for Ah, damn it, anyway. No, I uh, was just... Uh, Part of the parade, and like I said, we're all Stanley Cup champions, Jeff. Well, I want you to know that for all the years I've known you, you've been a champion in my heart. Oh, man. Just so you know. All right, That's we beautiful. can wrap on that one. That's beautiful. All right, good talk. Are you guys ready to start recording? I just puked in my own mouth. Um, so I had to text you guys and tell you that I was going to be about 10 minutes late. I was on a, a road. It's 109. I don't know if you know how well you know it, but you can't get – once you're on 109 and you need to go to 40 or whatever, there's only one way to get there, really. Mm-hmm. And I was rolling along really well, and I kind of came up behind this car. And it was one of those cars, and please tell me you know what I'm talking about, that as soon as you saw it, you started judging who's driving All right. and how long their ass is going to be in your way. <laughs> and I'm not a fast driver at all, and I'm probably the slowest one in here. But as I rolled up, I saw it was a like a late 90s, early 2000s, like a, a Toyota. Okay. Or no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a Honda a Civic, one of those. And it was the it was the... The body style, it was, you could tell, it was like four redesigns ago. You know, the body style itself was just like, ooh, you know. And I was telling Jamie right before he came in here when we were talking about you that it was that kind of old where there was bugs in the back window, you sure. know, that sort of thing. So I'm like, all right, we're going to be a little late. And as I rolled up, I saw a uh, sticker, a magnet or whatever that was in the shape of a dog bone. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool, dog mm-hmm. person. Now, the key here is <laughs> okay. what kind of dog is on the dog bone, right? All right. Because you're going to judge if it's a shepherd or an Akita mm-hmm. or something like that. You're like, okay, we're cool. But if you roll up and it says Schnauzer or something, then you're <laughs> you're judging a different way, not in a bad way, not in a good way. You All know? right. I rolled up and it said- It's I like love- profiling. Yeah. I was totally profiling. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I totally right. was. Thank you for calling me out on that. There I you was. go. All right. And I rolled up and it said, I love my grand dogs. Yeah. And that's when I went, ah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull over and text the boys. Can I, can I say something and it's going to be mean? To, to me, I'm assuming. No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, oh, no. Why not? About the about <laughs> that. I feel bad judging, but it was 100% true. I, boy, this is 
is bad. I do not want anybody to get mad at me, but I feel like when I see those song, when I see those stickers, that that might as well say, "I really wish I had grandkids instead of this oh, granddaughter." Wow, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's what it feels like to me, man. We had a big formal dinner, and they said they had an announcement, right? And then they gave me the sticker that said, "I love my grandpuppies." And you went from going, "Oh, oh. <laughs> okay." Oh. So now, Jeff, I know you're a Bichons are cute too. <laughs> I know you're a dog guy, yeah, Donnie. I don't know if I'm you're a dog. Guy. You're a dog yeah, guy. Yeah. Okay, I'm a dog guy, yes. and. So I got to ask you guys a question regarding this, and it always drives me nuts, okay? And you guys are parents, too. Yeah. I can't stand when people call their dogs children. Mm, yeah, like, you have oh, talked about that you know, before, uh, yeah. I've got to go home and let the kids out. What, yeah. are they in the cage? Well, yeah. I'm like, what, what kind of a parent are you? Well, it's my dog. Outside, I'm like, it's not the same. Yeah. Outside of the people you're talking about, I'm probably the person that's closest to being that person because in my mind- You don't uh, call your dogs kids. No, I don't, but I don't always call them dogs. Sometimes I just call them four-leggers. Well, but I'm okay with that. But yeah. I don't feel I mean, feel my as kids walk the around level. on all fours Okay, sometimes. that is true. So that never improved, They don't walk huh? upright very often. <laughs> right. That's their Skate mother's like fault. like a son of a bitch. <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking specifically about the twins, I feel. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Haas drags his knuckles behind him. <laughs> right. um, but that's mom's fault. Right, yeah, let's blame that on yeah, her. She's the first one to walk upright in her family. No, I know what you're saying. You're passionate <laughs> on your dogs. Because I know at least in back in the day you had, was it Akita? Was it an Akita or what was it? An Eskimo dog? What no, I've it? always had Akitas. Akitas I've had like four, okay. still have one, uh, and I love those dogs. Yeah, so, and great I mean, dogs. Listen, I'm a dog guy. I've grown up with dogs my whole life. Now I'm like an Akita guy, but I love all dogs, but I don't ever call them kids yeah. or my children. Out, I yeah. let the kiddos out. Like, I just don't I, get it. Yeah. And what I don't understand too, man, is that you will get people that, if you don't accept that, that they are like, oh, how oh, dare you what? that totally. I, that I, that I, this is my, you know, listen, if I leave my dog, Minnie, home for eight hours by herself, the very worst thing that happens is that she poops or pees on the floor, which hardly ever happens, but the very worst. Same if I me. left you my leave youngest, me alone, leave me alone that long, hell yeah. I if say, I left my Dexter, like my nine-year-old home alone for eight hours, the place would be on effing fire. Yeah. There There's might a, be pee and poo, too. <laughs> there could be, too. <laughs> never know. I just, boy, that's <laughs> one man. Fire. Dude, that one, that one actually pisses me off. Oh, I, I really gosh. don't like that because I love dogs. I love animals. But, man, like, come on. Is I, it, was I, it I, tough as a young NHL draft team, uh, you know, making it to the NHL to be a dog person because you're on the road all the time? I'm assuming if you're I'm, I'm saying from your home base of like, say, St. Louis. Yeah. Sure, you probably still had your one at your parents' house before you left, but you couldn't hardly have a dog while you no, were young. No, I NHL, didn't. Right? I, uh, I didn't even attempt it, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted one. All the time, but nowadays it'd probably be a little easier with the internet and with all the social media where you'd find people dog walkers and people who come by and take care of your, feed your dogs while you're gone. And how much of a relationship is that anyway, really, you know, with you and your dog? Yeah, it's it's obviously a little different, Um, but no, I never had a dog. I had, uh, I had two geckos. That's what I had. Yeah, oh, I was wow. uh, chick picker upper. Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't really. Or not a chick picker upper, but like you know, hey, hey, babe. Yeah, you know, I come see can my I, lizard. Can I pet your gecko? Yeah, and uh, I'd sure. always have to Let have me move uh, this animal. I'd always what? have to plan ahead and like buy crickets and like leave them back. And then one time, actually, when uh, Shannon and I were dating, I was on the road and was like, 
very first time, I'm like, hey, by the way, uh, you mind swinging by the apartment and feeding my gecko some crickets? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Talk about a pickup line, huh? Right, right. Wow, but that's yeah. when you kind of know. She was yours after that. But, but, but also, I think that's where you know, like, if that girl is, is serious or not. Because if she's not going to do that for you, well, then, you know, man, there's right. probably well, a lot of I mean, other things. Come on, yeah. I knew she was probably a keeper. Probably not kale either. Hey, I knew when she she was a keeper when she was eating the crickets, too. Uh, I was like, okay. Not yeah. even chocolate cover. She could be either, a river. Right? Yeah, well, um, that went in a direction I didn't think that it was going to go. Other, yeah, darn. Perfect. One other thing I wanted to uh, throw out there before we started talking, you know, hockey, is we do have the email. Yes. LM. BP at 1057thepoint.com. Shoot us saying We have a couple of them today, which is really cool. But anything you want to talk with Jamie or us about, uh, hockey-related or not, uh, yeah. we're going to read them every time we do a show. Do you want to do so, it? Do you want to knock these out here real quick? Sure, if you want knock, to. Knock the, out the emails? The socials, we're on Instagram right now. It's the Last Minute Blues podcast. Come join us. There's not a whole lot of content yet, but there will be. So go ahead. Sir. All right, very good. So it says, uh, this one's from Jordan. Uh, Jordan sent this over, I remember, last Wednesday, like right after we got done, or after we posted. said, the podcast is amazing. Thank you, fellas, for taking the time to make it. I love listening. I'm a 90s kid and wishing I was a bigger Rivers fan during his tenure as a Blue uh, because of the Last Minute Blues podcast. <laughs> podcast once the Riz show wraps up i switch over to 101 espn online and listen to rivers and stalter next episode burton and donnie must dive into jamie's thoughts on keenan i hope the show picks up sponsors so you can three can make longer more frequent shows i could go on but don't want to make this too long thank you guys again and that's from jordan well jordan thank you man yeah, that's, that's awesome really cool. i think the most important thing on that email is yes we are open for sponsorship <laughs> that, that by all means are. jordan you too can email last minute please <laughs> lmbp at 1057thepoint.com but i Honestly, seriously, if you or anybody you know somebody, let us know and we'll pass you along to a salesperson because that sort of thing keeps this going. Absolutely so, so. To the actual question. Yeah, we, we and we talked, you alluded to this a little bit last week, like very little bit. Uh, you were not a Mike Keenan fan. Uh, don't seem to still be that way. No. So I think Jordan kind of would just like to get your general thoughts on, on the man. What made him... I, obviously, listen, from a fan's perspective, the guy seemed friggin' crazy. When you're going to run the number of players out of town that that dude ran out of town, just that in and of itself kind of shows me that it was more about him than about the team and about the whole thing. And from the media standpoint, which is this was when I, you know, the first handful of years that I had a press pass and when we hung out and stuff, the guy just honestly, he just, he was a dick. He really seemed like a guy that when he walked in the room, he was like, it's all about me. You know, wore wore that whole shield of holier than thou, and I can't imagine what he was like to play with. Look, this guy, uh, he was a nightmare, okay? The Blues brought him in and gave him total control. They gave him head coach and general manager, and that was just a disaster. He came in here, and it was like his own personal video game where he would bring guys in, cut guys, send guys out. Was that done back then, the whole thing the gm head coach thing and it, is that done now much okay it was more common back then, back then for sure now you could not do it nowadays okay. the, the role of the, G, of the gm with the salary cap and with the contracts with the there's just there's no too way much. there's too, too much. much and you have to control your scouting staff you have to be you know involved in all their work it's just too much i could go on and on and on and so on he was sick with power didn't know what to do totally with it. Yeah. totally and you know mike keenan uh, the only thing that he ever did that was positive was trade for Chris Pronger. And at the time, it was a horrible move because he got rid of Brendan Shanahan, who was a fan favorite and a goal scorer. And, you know, he went on to have huge success after he left the Blues as well. But you have to look back at that and say, well, he brought Chris Pronger here, who was a franchise defenseman for 
forever and now a Hall of Famer and, and things like that. But look, here's just a, an inside peek at Mike Keenan, and I'll, I'll go a couple of stories if you guys will allow me. Oh, yeah. Um, check the tape. Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> so when I first made the team, and, and here's the thing is I made the team in 94, I think it was, and which was odd because I should have been probably sent back to junior hockey at the time. And he tells me, go go find a place to live. Uh, you're going to be on the team. And I was like, wow, this is kind of a big deal. I'm, I'm real happy about it. Well, then the lockout came in 94. And so I automatically got sent back to down to junior. And so the following season, though, when things came back, he had said the same thing. Listen, you're on my team. Uh, find a place to live. Do all that. Arrange yourself. You know, get settled in. I thought, wow, this is great. And we go off to play Washington, my very first NHL game. We go and we lose 2-1. to one. I actually hit the post on a power play. Could have had my first NHL goal, my first game. Right after the game, he sends me down. To the wow. Boy. And this is a guy who, you know, you kind of skipped over the fact that you hit the, go- the goal post on the power play. You were a rookie, your first game, yeah. on the power play. On the power and play. And now all of a sudden you're not good enough to be on the team. Now I'm down to the minors. But but wait, there's more. Oh, okay? Boy. As, I, as uh, Billy Mays Hayes there. But wait, there's more. <laughs> we go on and about a week and a half later... And I'm I'm going to try and follow this through my head again here. The Blues go on their West Coast swing to play L.A., Anaheim, and uh, San Jose. So we go out to L.A. He calls me up. And now I'm in Worcester, Mass. There's no airport there. Well, there is, but it's not a big airport. So you got to drive from Worcester to Boston about 45 minutes without traffic. Add traffic, hour and a half. Worcester to Boston, Boston to L.A., so cross country doesn't get any. It really doesn't get any farther from ocean to ocean, pretty right. much. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. No. Sea to shining sea. Yeah, play the game in L.A. Good game plays me a lot again. It's like weird, and then right after the game sends me back down. So L.A. to Boston the next morning. About a day goes by. One practice after practice called back up. L.A. or Boston to Anaheim. Play the game against Anaheim. Again, play a regular shift. Everything's okay. After the game against Anaheim, sends me back down the next morning from Anaheim. So back to LAX again. LAX to Logan Airport in Boston. Then I play two games for the Worcester Ice Cats right after the second game. Called back up to meet the team in San Jose. So Boston to San Francisco. Play that game, sent back down the next morning. I know you're following me. Yeah, at, oh my at what god. point are you being pissed, or is it after like the? Th- are you still at this point just going, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm I'm playing in the NHL." I'm like shit faced on time zone differentials uh, here. I have no idea the jet lag going back and forth. I go down, play one game in Worcester, called up after the game to meet the team in St. Louis to play a game here, a home game, then sent back down again. I didn't know whether I was coming or going or... Why was that happening? I, mean, I was going to say... What was any... going on on the NHL level that that was happening? Was there an explanation? Like, Well, that's the thing, guys. There's no explanation. I know explanation. it was Murray Barron. It was Murray Barron. No. <laughs> no. It had to have been. No, listen. Murray and I were close. No, You're a good joking. buddy of mine. Love Murray. But... So what, was there Was there somebody often injured or something? No, just it's just Mike the Keenan box? played mind games with young guys, and that's what he did. Oh, he... that was all just to screw with you, you Just think? to screw with me. No, Whoa. I know it was. Because thank God we had Jimmy Roberts down in Worcester, and Jimmy was you know talking me off the ledge at times, and you know hey, young guys got to earn their stripes, and this is maybe not the best way. Was he doing it to other people besides you? Christopher Olson 
got, yeah. got treated like a bag of hammers too. Yeah. And one time, Chris Olson got called up after after our pregame skate in the minors. Christer got thrown on a plane and hustled to get to the game for a Blues game to play that night. Made it there, hustled, got all the stuff. I went out for a warm up. Mike Keenan thought he didn't have a good warm up, so he scratched him from the game and then sent him down the next morning. Wow. Yeah, so this is the stuff that went on on you know a weekly, daily basis. And then to further it, when I was here in St. Louis, the rule is usually like 28 days in a hotel, and then they tell you to find a place to live or they send you down. Like there's, They, they have a, a, a guideline there so guys don't get treated like fools, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I'm living at the Hyatt Regency downtown Union Station. That was my home for I don't even know how long. It was well past the 28 days. And Mike Keenan, I, my phone rings at like two o'clock in the morning in the hotel room. And we didn't like cell phones were around, but it wasn't like a thing thing right, yet. Yeah. Answer the hotel phone. Yeah, Jamie, it's uh, it's Iron. Oh, Called oh. himself Iron oh, for one God. thing. When you call yourself something, you're not that something. Correct. <laughs> Sorry. Correct. Just general Just life rule. rule. Yeah. I, yeah. This, see, I'm painting the picture for yeah, you here, right? Yeah, you sure am. And, and so I, 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 yeah. I'm like bullshit. It's not. It's not iron. Who is this? Who's out drunk? You know who's messing with me? No, it's iron. I need you to get down to Keel Center. I need you to get down to Keel right now. I got to go over something with you. I go, Mike. It's two o'clock in the morning. So, okay, good point. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're one, right. he was lucky I was home for one. <laughs> 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 Secondly, I go down to the Keel and we go in there. And he says, I want you to sit down here. I'm like, okay. So he puts on a video. It's about a three-minute video. It's Murray Barron. <laughs> Murray Barron highlights, or lowlights, if you want to call him, right? Like, mm-hmm. Murray makes like three or four mistakes in this video. And this is nothing against Murray. You could find mistakes in every game for every player. Sure. These were highlighted. And so then he goes, uh, you see that? I'm like, not really, Mike. I I'm I'm not being a jerk. I just don't know what you're trying to show me here. Mm-hmm. Well, if you play like Murray Barron does in those highlights there, I'm going to bury you so far that the hockey news won't be able to find you. Wow. Whoa. I'm like, okay, so this is relevant how right yeah. now? And you could have told me this over the phone. How about just not told me this? Uh, yeah. Uh, so then it's like three-ish in the morning at this point, and now I got the debate, you know, do I go back to the hotel do I not? So I just went and slept on the couch and in the lounge at the rink. And then guys started to arrive, equipment guys, and they're asking me. And I'm telling them about this whole story. And they're like, oh, my God. Unbelievable. But wait, there's, there's more. more. Oh, boy. Okay. Fast forward. And this is my fault. And I should have had both of you guys kick me in the nuts a long time ago for we this. We can still do that. <laughs> we can still do this. And you know what? I actually wouldn't be opposed to it because of this decision that I made. Mm. I was sitting here in St. Louis, unrestricted free agent. Phone is ringing a little bit from time to time. It's the people are kicking the tires. Training camp isn't quite over. And back then, that was the big thing. Go through training camp, and you find out what you don't have, and you go sign guys from that point. How many years into your career at this point? Um, this is about five. Five years. Five years okay. in my career. And so I'm sitting at home. Phone rings. I answer the phone. Hey, yeah, uh, Rivs, it's iron. Mm. I'm not shitting uh, you. Uh, it's iron. And I was like, had a, a twitch. I was like, <laughs> like it's back. It's Don't back. do it. Don't do it. It's back. And so he goes on to tell me he's coaching in Florida. 
now. They got a really young team, and, you know, they don't get him. They don't understand him. They don't know what it's like to play for Mike Keenan and all this stuff. And then at the end, he offers me a contract. And now, like I said, the phone is kind of ringing elsewhere, but nothing solid yet. And this is a solid offer. Like it's a bam, here you go. So I take the contract. I'm like, I, you know what? Mike basically just told me I'm one of his guys. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you remember Mike Keenan, he drug his guys all over the place with him. Mm-hmm. Now, he treated them like crap, but he drug them all over the place. And some guys had careers that were 15 years long that shouldn't have been in the league for five years because Mike drug them around. So I was right. like, okay, maybe this could be a good thing. Maybe he does. Maybe he does like me. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And I get there. Mike Keenan play, uh, has me a healthy scratch for mm-hmm. like a month straight. I'm not kidding you. Plays me one game, then scratches me for like another month, sends me down to the minors. I play a handful of games, calls me back up, like three weeks, healthy scratches me. End of the story of this whole thing was two things. One, halfway through the season, I got called up. I declined it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Jamie's not here. Can I take a message? The GM in the American League. I'll never forget. He's like, hey, Revs, uh, Mike called the, uh, calling you back up tomorrow. Like, he's thinking, like, yeah, this is great. I'm like, eh. nah. I go, you know what? I go, well, why don't you call one of the other guys, see if they want to go. I'm good. Right? <laughs> I'm good. Well, it was just so I knew what was coming. Right, right. So fast forward to the end of it, and I'll get to the end of all these Iron Mike stories. But uh, we end up talking to each other, and I end up playing one game that year for the Florida Panthers. One game. Whoa. Wow. And at the end of the season, we have like the meetings. And now he called me up from the minors to have a meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, why? But I guess we'll do it, right? Sit in the room and Rick Dudley is there at the time too. He was the, the president of hockey operations in Florida. And Mike goes on to tell me about, you know, how he was happy that I came in and helped the team. And I go, Mike, I go, here's the deal. I said, there's going to become, there's going to come a time and a place where I'm in a bar drinking, you're going to walk in, and I'm going to knock your front teeth out. <laughs> oh, boy. You said this to him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, and Rick, du- awesome. Rick Dudley kind of looked at me, and I go, I'm not kidding. I go, if it's tomorrow, next week, next month, 10 years from now, I go, if you walk in that bar, you better run if you see me. Because I said, what you did to me at the start of my career, what you did to me this year, I'm like, nobody does that to another individual. So I said, just consider that your warning. And I walked out. What, and he said wow. nothing back? Not a word. Oh, boy. I think he knew at that point that I really didn't care. So what year was this about? Uh, this would be 2002. Okay, so since then, in I've all, never the, seen all the stuff you've done, all the stuff he's done related to hockey, nothing, I never. never have crossed paths if uh, oh, man. there was one time we were in an arena at the same time, and I'm not going to lie, I went looking. I was going to ask you if you felt it, if you felt No, the somebody said, oh, something about Mike Keenan, and I was like, okay. And I was like, you know, the radar's going off. I started walking around looking for him, and I never saw him. I don't know if he left or if he just whatever, if we didn't connect. Wow. I've never seen him. Now, when was the last time, and I know that this, I don't know the answer to this, Jamie. We're going to have to rely on you unless you do, Jamie. When was the last time that Mike Keenan was like a relevant 
worthwhile NHL coach. Did oh, he as far as coach, I, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I saw it him seems do like, a little TV stuff recently in yeah. the last couple of years, but uh, I don't think anybody cared for it because it much. seems like that dude had a really long career based on a couple of of good years. Did he win with the Rangers? Well, he won with the Rangers, but as the story goes, and it's true, is once they got to the playoffs, Mark Messier basically went in his office one day and told him, you can stand behind the bench, but don't say a word. We'll win you a cup if you shut up. Wow. And that was it. And that it, could be a good mantra it, for a hockey team. We'll win you the cup. Just shut up. <laughs> that, I like it. I, I am just so amazed by by that sort of leadership. Yeah. I, you know, like, and I'm I'm so amazed that so many owners fell for that shit and like and and kept hiring that guy. Listen, this dude was a Scotty Bowman protege, or he, so he thought he was. So Scotty plays these little mind games with people, and it's not to that extreme. It's more managing egos, and mm-hmm. I got to see it in Detroit. Where you have all these star players, you got to keep everybody in check. You got to keep them wandering just a little bit to keep them sure. going. Mm-hmm. Scotty was one of the best at that ever. Well, Mike Keenan, who loved Scotty Bowman, wanted to be Scotty so bad that right. he tried to duplicate that, but he really didn't have a clue what Scotty was truly doing. So it ended up being a really bad version of it. You know, you look back, you just remember what he wore and what Bowman wore. He even dressed and carried himself trying to be like him as like, well. Like, had that appearance. You're yeah, right. I never thought that, of that. You know, the colorful vest underneath the jacket a few times as well. I just remember the few run not run-ins, times that I interacted with him in the locker room. He really felt very standoffish. And at the time, I thought, you know, it's just a media thing, which I get. That's cool. I'm on your playground right now trying to get information from you. But he just didn't seem that anybody besides he was relevant in a room at any given time. Uh, that's a, that's a 100% accurate, your read. And before we get to uh, di- delving into the next game, yeah. just real quickly, um, that sort of thing that he did to you, could he get away with that today with social media? Or if you social media about it, would it be the end of your career? Uh the player like, wouldn't, oh, here we go again. I'm going back to this city now. You would, the player you know wouldn't that. have to do it. See, the media and the people on social media, they'd be doing that work okay. for you. That and they'd be sense. like, this is ridiculous. Right. And somebody sense. would actually be tracking like the air miles. They'd be like, okay, this is fun. Yeah. Right. Jamie Rivers has got X amount of air miles thanks to Mike Oh, yeah, Keenan. your air miles would have its own Twitter account. That's right. <laughs> You're right. There you go. And I kind of did that version of it, to be completely honest with you. After you had left the Blues, I the only way that, to follow you was in, in the newspaper. And I would have to look at the box score and see if you even played and if you had a point or whatever. That was the only way I could follow at the yeah. time was to look down and see who who was active and who was not and see if you got a point or not. Yeah, we do have one more email. Except for we... when you were with Detroit. I didn't give it <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right a lot we of got, wins there. We yeah. got one more email, and this one's from Don from Oakville. Uh, hey, guys, I have a son, Easton. Yes, named after my favorite brand of hockey gear, who is one year old. I have loved hockey since I was a boy and plan on teaching him all about the greatest game on earth as he grows. I used to drive the Zamboni in Brentwood and will watch Barrett Jackman and Andy McDonald be on the ice with their kids teaching them and could think of nothing greater than sculpting my son to grow up being a part of hockey. Would Jamie have any advice on the best way to help my son become a pro? Uh, it just seems like if you're a dad, if your dad played pro, then your son is a shoe in to be pro as well. Where would one even start on this journey? Thanks in advance, Jamie. You are the man. Loved watching you play. Yourself and Donnie should never use a stand-up urinal next to Jeff. Just saying, LOL. That's good. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> that's, that's that's good advice. I don't know what that means at all. I remember seeing that guy at the airport. But anyway, <laughs> in the bathroom. That's a tough. Like that's a tough question, man. Because like we all want our. I mean, like, we all have those 
dreams of our for our kids, but like you, you gotta know, just man. manage manage the expectations. Yeah. So first of all, my first comment to that would be uh, never ever have your kid play any sport on the premise that they're going to be a pro. And with hockey, I'll speak specifically of is the percentages are like zero point like four. No, 0.04 chance of your kid ever playing a pro hockey game, let alone an NHL game. Sure. So the expectations, this is what I tell all of the kids I coach and the parents that are surrounding because parents are crazier than the kids. Yeah. I tell them that the point of playing hockey, there are so many qualities and things that you have to develop to be part of a team and to be an athlete and to be you know, goal-oriented that translate to the work world later on in life. And I said, I, I tell them, this is what you have to think about is how can I use the sport of hockey that I love so much in order to help me later on in life? Can I get an education because I'm a great hockey player? Can somebody give me a scholarship to play hockey? Do I play high school hockey and am I a star player on that and enjoy that experience of playing for my school? And then Anything after that is a bonus. Right. It really is. And, and still, I, I say focus on the skills that hockey can provide to you, not on ice, but off ice, that can be used later on in life that are actually really relevant. And the percentages are higher. In fact, they're astronomical that you're going to be in the work world more so than be a pro hockey player. And I've said for years that hockey players are the nicest of all the pro athletes because you're driven out of your home, at least back then, at such a young age, you, I'd imagine you, in your era, you had to go to a host family somewhere, maybe not being from Canada, but somebody your era that was in Missouri, let's say, they couldn't grow up playing hockey here their entire life. They had to go to a, a host family in New mm-hmm. York. or one, and, and if you were a dick at the host family, guess what? You're gone. So you learn those manners for your elders at a young age, and it just fostered the, the entire time. Well, you learn a lot of things, right? And, and yes, that's one of them. Huge. You grow up quickly, and you figure out how to do things in other houses for other families, and what's right, what's wrong. Another set of rules you have to follow, and also working within a group. You know, being able to work with multiple personalities that are together, and and how to be accepted, and how to pull your weight in that in that group of people, and problem solve, and all those things like that. So. There's so much that happens for a hockey player that if I'm a CEO of a company, a lot of times I'm looking at going, you know what? I've got 45 people that work for me. I need somebody that can blend in and bring out the best in all 45 people, not somebody that comes in and literally cancers the entire group and everybody hates them. Yeah, you're signing somebody because that's a position you need filled. Correct. You you seem like a logical choice. To, to be, uh, man, just listening to you talk about this game since we started this podcast has been an amazing learning experience for me. And I love the way that you talk about being a coach. It makes me think, you know what, if I'm going to put my kids in somebody else's hands to learn this sport, you would be the kind of person to do that. Jamie, why or or would you be interested in coaching more and coaching up and coaching higher levels? How does that sort of thing work? Because I would think that you would be very good and have the resume for that both yeah uh look at uh, i i dipped my toe in the water in that when my career ended and uh jeff was a part of this at the mm-hmm. same time we had uh, a lower level minor pro league uh a team called saint charles chill yes and unfortunately the ownership for that was never really serious about it and the team lasted one year mm-hmm. uh and then the league merged with the echl which is now still going 
Uh, but nonetheless, the team ended up folding, uh, and I loved it, and I thought it was a great opportunity. And, and since that point, like Ken Hitchcock asked me during that one lockout year to come in and run the guys' practices during the lockout, and I did. And then Ken Hitchcock asked me to run training camp for the Blues that year when they came out of the lockout because things had been going so well, and it gave him an opportunity to watch the guys without having to be down in the fire uh, so to say. So every morning I'd go in and Ken and I would sit down for about an hour and, and develop a practice plan and what he would like to see out of it and best way to go about it. And then, you know, you're out there and you call audibles sometimes. Sometimes the drill's going well. Sometimes it's slow and you make a change. You add a little spice to it. And Hitch was awesome at letting me uh, just go and do it. And the respect from the guys was fantastic because I had been in the NHL for a long time, played with some amazing players, and I'd earned their respect already by running a number of skates before. And guys, to be honest, uh, I still do it to this day. Every summer and every time guys are coming back from injury, I'm working with these Blues players. We're doing skill stuff on the ice. We're working on getting them stronger, faster, better, all these things. It's kind of been under the radar. Right. Uh, it's not really – it's not publicized at all. Um, I think David Perron was one of the guy last year that said something about it, and I don't know if he got peepee whacked for saying it or not from the club, but <laughs> he did say I've been working with Jamie Rivers and, and whatnot. I'll look at his contract to see if there's a, a, yeah. a disclosure <laughs> for peepee whacking. Here's the thing: is yes, the opportunities are there, and I've been offered a number of jobs throughout the years to go coach at the American Hockey League level, and then you know you work your way up, basically. Right. Guys, I did that dog and pony show. Sure. I played. Uh, if I would have had a whole career in St. Louis alone, then I'd be like, okay, maybe I go and travel around and bounce around a little bit. But the truth of the matter is that if you, you throw your name into the, the pot for coaching, two, three years, you're gone. You're somewhere right. else. Right. Yeah. Two, three years after that, you're somewhere else. You're somewhere else. You're somewhere else. Even look at the most successful coaches. Right. Three, four years, they're gone. Yeah. And so I, I didn't really want to do that to my family a second time right. around. Sense. Perfect sense. And so the best way for me to get to where I wanted to go with that was to to start Synergy Hockey and, and continue to do that and develop youth here and at the same time, while under the radar, still working with the NHL guys. Real quick before we jump into the to the game or to the Vancouver game, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about Hitchcock real quick. That you brought him up. You had very obviously very warm things it feels like to say about him. When his time was over here it felt like there was definitely a schism with people that very much held Ken Hitchcock in high regard and those where he might have worn out his welcome. Can you kind of speak to that maybe a little bit? Yeah, Hitch was was brash. Mm-hmm. He was. He didn't care. You know, that was the old school coach in him, and that's why he was so successful for, for so many years. Won the Stanley Cup in Dallas with Hull, Madano, Hatcher, all these guys. He didn't do it by being their best friend, mm-hmm. you know. So he came in here and he was he was rough around the edges, to say the least. And the expectations were high. It was never enough for Hitch. Like if you were you emptied the tank and it was the best game you've ever had, yeah, you had more, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so after a while, that does wear on you as an athlete because you feel like you're exhausted physically and mentally. You don't know if you're in the doghouse. If you're not, he's always yelling at you. He's always barking at you. It does get old, but I'll tell you what about Ken Hitchcock. Every time I've ever had a conversation with this guy about hockey, and if you ever Google or YouTube or listen to the man talk about hockey in anything, 
you leave there going, oh, my God, that was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, he really get it. He gets it. And he's a guy that coached in the 80s, the 90s. Like, he's still – he's transforming his beliefs into modern-day hockey right. and, and evolving with it. He's a Hall of Famer, uh, in my opinion, no doubt. He's one of the most winning coaches ever in, in the NHL, in history of the NHL. And if you ever – I have phone conversations with him from time to time, call and check on him and this and that and the other. If I have a question regarding hockey, no matter what it is, he's got something amazing that I can write down and run with. Man, wow. that's cool. That is pretty cool. All right, what do you want to talk about about the game? I got three things. I have three things. Well, I, we I, need to have a hard editor or we'll never get there right. is what I'm saying. Well, I, I think, I mean, you know, man, I, I think one of the – the only real question that I had for Jamie, and it wasn't even specifically about Vancouver tonight as much as just an overall sense of, of, of what you have taken from the team so far – in in 2019, I mean, it's a it's such a weird spot these guys because I feel like they're going to be their own worst enemy more often than not. Being that they're going to be the better of the two teams, it's just whether they can step up and kind of play the, so the game that they're is, capable of playing. Is do better in the second period? They did that last game, but then they only played 58 minutes. <laughs> right, uh, it's more it's like 60. 55. Yeah, 55, and <laughs> yeah. then uh, yeah, then that then they kind of. Oh, what are you going to do? But yeah, to to his question, what do we have? What kind of a team is this? Well, let's let's remember here a couple things, guys. Is no matter what the players, the coaching staff, ownership, no matter what anybody says about you know we've parked the Stanley Cup, you know we left that behind us. We had our day with the cup that was closure way back when. It's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not true. They had opening night here, raising a banner, um, all the other stuff that went around with that. Then they go on this huge road trip, and they've got a visit to the Hockey Hall of Fame. They're doing all this. They get their rings on a different night. And now the White House was another one that was piggybacked on top of this. They've been consistently busy being Stanley Cup champions. That I'm finally happy now that they'll be able to just kind of move forward. Because all that stuff, for the most part, is gone now. Okay, And these guys, when you look at the standings, are still in second place in the division, and there's only one game that they've lost in regulation. So they're still getting points. They're still inching forward all the time. So I'm optimistic that now, starting this homestand, they can really buckle down. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, I hate to use the term, but you get a free agent signing here with Thomas coming back. I saw that he's coming back for today's game. Uh, who sits and does that? That does not disrupt any chemistry. What kind of ice time does he get? Tell us about him coming back. Yeah, well, we'll see how healthy he is right away. They're, they're slotting him in on the fourth line with Sunquist and, and Barbashev. Fabry mm-hmm. will play with Bozak and Steen. And, you know, I think if he's okay to go, and I think that if he shows that he's uh, more than capable and in condition, he's going to jump up, I believe, to play with Bozak and, and Fabry. I think Steen will drop down in order to create a shutdown line against Vancouver. Vancouver has the JT Miller, um, uh, Elias Pedersen, and Brock Besser line. They're, you know, the two of them, Besser and Pedersen, are young studs right. in this league that are lighting a lamp on a daily basis. And JT Miller comes over from Tampa Bay where nobody was really sure what he was, but now he's lighting it up in Vancouver playing with those young stallions. So, I think that uh, you turn around and Sunquist line ends up against those guys ultimately, and Thomas ends up back with Bozak, familiar face, and Robbie Fabry on the left, which means Sanford and McEachern are the odd guys out. Uh, McEachern had a good game in Long Island. He, you know, he does his job, gets in on the puck. He's tenacious. 
Uh, to me, Zach Sanford is really the biggest question mark. And so is Robbie Fabry. Yeah, but I yeah. think the leash is a little longer with Fabry just because he has had those injuries and he does look a little quicker out there this year and he is hounding pucks a little bit better. So Zach Sanford's got a lot of work to do. It's like they've given him the answers to the test several times yeah. and he's not using them. Yeah. And that, to me, that's a problem because once you've done that, once you've made it clear, like, here's how you stay in the lineup, here's what we want from you, and you decide or you just can't do that, that tells you something. And right. so the team kind of has to figure that out or move on or something. See if you guys agree with me on for my check marks where Fabry, uh, you already covered that. Falk, I, th- I think, seems to fit in just fantastic so far. I've seen some almost no-look passes or passes you know that guy's going to be there. He's passing to somebody already knowing that somebody's going to be there. So that feels good to me. And the other thing that I think we all had questions for was after Bennington's first one or two Soft goals. Does he start playing mind tricks in his head? But I think he's about as confident he's ever as he's ever been. Yeah, look, Jordan Bennington is not going to get rattled. I don't think he is. Anyways, even though everybody's like, "Well, last year was a sample size." Yeah, but there was some really high stress games. Okay, <laughs> right. let's right. not forget that. Okay, we went like Game Seven Stanley Cup Final. This guy's got ice in his veins. Let's right. just let, let leave this that. This is not be. Tuesday night yeah, in Ottawa. Yeah, it, it's it's not Tuesday night at spinning wheels. You know, I mean, it's uh... Ale spinning wheels. By the way, spinning wheels. If you're open, uh, we do have sponsorship slots. We open do. Here. They they they, they actually LMBP. Yeah, they, they wreck the place. It doesn't exist no. anymore. Then never mind. Yeah, so do my plaque. Clearly, your check won't clear that. Clearly, cash uh, is always acceptable. Cash though. is good. Anything else for the uh, the game itself? No, actually, I wanted to switch up sports before we were done. Okay, uh, let me do yeah. one. Yeah. Well, thing, one thing before that I'd like to hit on real quick is yeah. the, the defense pairings have been a big topic of conversation here since Justin Falk has come on board. And something I think to take note of is in the last three games, Alex Petrangelo's minutes have dropped substantially from what he's used to. It, you know, he's usually a 24 to 27 minute D man. And this his highest minutes has been 22. And then it was 19 in Montreal and 21 in Long Island. Now there's possibility that he's sustained a little bruise or little injury along the way in Ottawa, and then he got wrecked again in Montreal. So maybe they're helping him along that way. But still, nonetheless, something to keep our eye on is uh, are they managing his minutes, and will he be upset with that? Because when you're a minute muncher, you crave that ice time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you drop three, four minutes of ice time in a game, it feels like an eternity, and that can mess with a guy sometimes. Is he, is he kind of a guy that would go into coach's office and say – Hey, what's going on with my minutes here? Well, I don't think he would say, hey, what's going on? I think he would come back and say, hey, look, I'm good to go. Gotcha. Like, hey, I'm why good. are you doing this? I'm good I'm, for 27, coach. Gotcha. Like, okay. if you need me, like, I'm there. Hint, hint. Before you, before you be switch. a fascinating storyline to watch. Yeah, yeah. Goes uh, before him. you switch sports, but this yeah. can be any sport. Yeah. I fell upon Theo Fleury's Instagram page couple, two, three days ago. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if it was something through you maybe. And I don't know how many ex-hockey players or hockey players you follow right now. But he's a really cool follow. And one of the reasons why – oh, I know why I follow him. I went through another hockey player, and Theo has Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. as do I. And he was doing doing a speaking engagement, and he did some quote, and I liked it. And then he said something back to me, so I started following him. And I'm just curious, any ex-hockey players, hockey players, anybody that you follow that you would recommend to other well, hockey that's a great fans? That's question, Jeff Burton. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I follow so many people that are in and out of the hockey I world. I mean, Theo, uh, Theo Fleury followed, and I, and I looked at his page for a while, but it just felt dirty following Jordan Tutu. 
Yeah, I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, you General know, principle, man. He seems like he's got his crap together. Don't get me wrong, but it just felt weird even being on his page. You man. know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, it's like it's like Kurt Mulpey. I would never be on that on that in the, in the history of poor, mankind. Poor Maltz, dude. He's such a great I guy. Said that, I said that because I knew you probably God. played with him. I hated that dude with every fiber of my soul for like That's ten so years. Funny. So well, did I. Don't follow him. So yeah. did I. In you the very first training least, camp right? we had, it was kind of weird in the locker room because I've been trying to kill him and Chris Draper. <laughs> for years right. and you walk in and you're like you're still pros but then stevie eiserman is from ottawa my area and so he's like uh hey ribs how you doing he's like hey let me introduce you to guys like stevie could tell like i probably need to acclimate jamie with some of these guys because right. there's yeah. hatred there yeah. <laughs> for you yeah that means you were doing well oh yeah if they, who you were if they were not happy with me it means i was doing something right, right exactly yeah so, so anybody um, that, you, that you can think of I, i'm trying to think right now you put me on the spot sorry uh, i didn't know i mean yeah you know, i follow jamie uh uh um uh, McLennan? Yeah, good. Yeah, McLennan. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, there's a couple ex-Blues players that I follow that, from that same era. Yeah, there's some good follows. Um, I always to... loved Biz Nasty on Twitter, man. He was always really funny, man. Like and, He's funny. And Ryan does not Whitney. hold back. No, those guys are funny. Uh, Stu Grimson's a good follow. I like some of the things he has. Darren Kimball. I'll tell you what, guys. Darren Kimball is a, funny. He's a great follow. He's a funny dude. He's got this crazy little sense of humor to him and he's confrontational jamal Mayers, that's who i was trying to think of. slamma jamma yeah I, I follow he's got a beautiful family uh he's he very involved with them obviously um i haven't seen campbell on any any nah, social media stuff he doesn't seem you'd like have that to be able to turn a phone on for that <laughs> <laughs> talk about a whole nother podcast yeah, you know yeah and, and, and obviously we always we we you know Hockey is sort of our lead, but but real quick before we get out of here, I wanted to bring up the the uh, Cardinals real quick. Cardinals obviously make it to the National League Championship Series. They get swept. They don't look great in the process. I believe the stat I saw earlier today was that it might have been the most futile offensive effort in the history of the National League Championship Series. It was. There, okay. I'll, I'll retweet that. Yes, uh, Bernie Miklas had this on there, and in the crossover yesterday said that out of 152 teams in the last however many years of baseball, the Cardinals were dead last yeah. in offensive output in a championship series. Okay. Wow. Obviously, no one asked that. I watched it. I watched the whole series. But I do not understand the the storyline in our city from some Cardinal fans that call this season a failure <laughs> or that think that this was a failure or that they're pissed. I can see being pissed that you got rolled in four. Sure. Get that. Yeah. But to call this a, 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 a not a successful season, I think is legitimately crazy, and it makes me kind of wonder about the St. Louis sports fan. Well, that's we the, might be insane. Yeah, though that's the it's the points to the success of the Cardinals, and uh, you know we're spoiled, blah blah blah. But I would ask that that person. What would have been a success for you? Just a World Series? Well, that's the answer, Jeff. That? They just said World Series. Oh, well, okay. All right, well, good luck. How'd your team do this year? It just it just feels like th- this whole like unrealistic thing that we've got going team? on, especially with the Cardinals. And, and the Blues are about to get it, too, because God knows that if they go on any oh, kind of, yeah. oh, jeez, then everybody comes out of the woodwork that knows more about than Armstrong and blah, 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 blah. And just sometimes, man, it just gets to me. It's yeah. just like, why can't you just watch the freaking game, enjoy it, be happy when they lose, be bummed out when they lose, or be happy when they win, be bummed out when they lose, but move on and realize that it is just a small portion of each of our lives. I'll tell you what, the one thing that upset me and i think it was the last game or second last game whatever it was was uh uh the it manager what's his shilty um he puts um 
Am I wrong? I mean, uh, he could be that guy. Yes. Account. Am I wrong? Yeah. All the players were going to him going, now how do I get my email and my phone? They were doing My that. Wi-Fi That's is not working. That's the only reason why. <laughs> Hey, hey, uh, Shilty, can hey, you hold up a hot spot? Randy <laughs> Rosarina went to him earlier in the day and said, Hey, Shilty, I'm having a problem with my Wi-Fi. That's one that Shilty regrets. That's exactly. <laughs> Trying to connect his phone to the wireless yeah. printer. Yeah. Hey, the game started. Um, but the, this Randy Rosarina guy who's supposed to be a fi- fantastic player, I totally agree that he is. But the, when he went up there and just whiffed three times and the one time his helmet went flying off, Dude, he put him in a place to fail. Am I wrong? We haven't seen him in, in for how long, wow. and then you put that kid up in Everybody that position. Everybody failed, Jeff. Dude, that whole series, man, like, was uh, just one just after the other. Here's to do that to that Okay, guy, but here's my, here's my issue. You had other options. Here's my point in, in, in disagreeing with you is – Everybody called for something different, right? Because what they, what Schilt had been doing wasn't working. It wasn't producing anything. So everybody's like, we need to do this, this. There better be changed. So he tried to accommodate that and make some sensible change. But what else do you do? Nobody else is hitting the ball. I know, but if that dude is Like at one time he wanted to put the bat boy in. If a Rose Arena is is an option, he should have been out there before then is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you're, you're not wrong. Of course, but you're I'm wrong. not wrong. I, I just, I just appreciated the kid that was getting up there and trying to flip and I mean, hit too, one six miles. Man, scared. I don't think he looks scared. Or uncomfortable or something. I don't know, well, man. Maybe you're, he was uh, still waiting for his Instagram video to upload. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was like, "I'll get this. Just go back. Yeah, I got this." What's your password? Oh, never mind. I'll figure it out myself. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that we have come to the end of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Uh, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, uh, please email us and hit us up on the socials. Uh, Last Minute Blues Podcast, lmbp.com. Wait, what is the email address? lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. Very good. Last Minute Blues Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring. After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division-favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sp- the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.